0: 1 John the sound is not good yet to you this people 1 John chapter 5 If you have a problem with the wireless let me take the wireful <laughs> 1 John chapter 5 I want to read verse 20 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. And this is what the word of God says, and we know that the Son of God is come. How many of you know that the Son of God is come? I mean, there's no doubt about that. You see, there are still some people today in this world who don't know that the Son of God is come. They are still living under the Old Testament. If you go to Israel today, there are still people who are expecting the Messiah. That's why the Father the Messiah has already come 2,004 years ago. So John, he as an apostle who saw him and touched him, and sat on his ministry said, We know, now we believe. You don't believe what you have experienced. I remember one time I asked a question. I said, How many of you believe you are inside the church? And people raised up their hands. You don't believe what you are already experiencing. So John is saying, look, we, we are not of them who we still have to believe. He said, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. We are no longer in the dark. We now understand that we may know him that is true and that we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and the eternal life. Uh, by the grace of God today for a few minutes I will be speaking on the subject The Minister's Guide The Minister's Guide The Minister's Guide Shall we pray? Heavenly Father we thank you for the privilege we have in Christ Whereby we can mingle our verses and praise and prayer and worship and adoration to your name We thank you for the opportunity of being taught your word with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven. We thank you for the opportunity of walking in the light of the knowledge of the glory of the Son of God. And we thank you for the things we have learned and that which you are learning we do appreciate. And count it a privilege to walk in the days in which you walk and to receive the kind of knowledge and insight that we do receive. Father, we ask today in Jesus' name that what you have in mind to share with us, will gloriously come to each and every one of us personally and specifically so that at the end of the day your heart's desire for us as individuals will be achieved and we shall not fail or falter in that which you, to which you have called us thank you father in Jesus name we pray amen the minister's guide no matter whatever ministry you are called into I believe and candidly do express that your best example as a minister, no matter what ministry you are called to, your best example as a minister is not that frontline minister. Your best example as a minister is not that popular television evangelist or that great best selling author. Your best example as a minister remains Jesus Christ, He is the pattern. He is the embodiment of every and all ministry gifts every and all ministry gift derive their best identity from his ministry it was him who ascended on high and who gave gifts to men. so your best example as a minister please reduce the volume please your best example as a minister is Jesus Christ himself And I always encourage your ministers to do this, because I did it years ago and it really helped me. I encourage your ministers to study the Gospels of St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke and St. John as the greatest handbook on ministry. The Gospel of St. Matthew, St. Mark, St. Luke and St. John represent what I believe is the greatest handbook on the ministry. It is a clear cut elucidation of the ministry, the pattern after which God wants you and I to follow. Christ's ministry is the best example of whatever kind of ministry you are called to, whether it is governmental ministry, congregational ministry, or positional ministry. When we say governmental ministries, we mean the fivefold ministry. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, Pastor, and Teacher. And when we talk about congregational ministry, these are ministries within the congregation. The, the, the ministry within the local church. Congregational ministry like helps, government, and so on and so forth. Mercy, exhorter, and so on and so forth. And when we talk about positional ministry, these are ministries like president of men's fellowship, president of campus fellowship, uh, head of the sisters unit and so on and so forth those are positional ministry so I believe that the best expression of ministry is not what someone is doing in America or somebody is doing in UK or what somebody is doing in Lagos or Kaduna or somebody is doing in Baltic or Jos. that is not the best example of what your ministry should be now I'm not saying this to look down on men and I'm not saying this to disparagingly refer to what men under God have been able to achieve. But I'm saying this for the purpose of alignment and direction. That he who gave the ministry is the best expression of that ministry. He is the full expression. The word of God tells us in Colossians 1.19 that it has pleased the father that all fullness should dwell in him. He is the full expression of what your ministry is supposed to be. No matter what ministry you are called into in the body of Christ. And that is why I like that scripture, First John 5 20, that I read to you. It said, The Son of God hath come and hath given us an understanding. In case there is something about ministry you don't understand, by the time you read Matthew, Mark, and John, you are likely to be able to understand. Matthew, Mark, and John is just 90 chapters. I have read it over and over and over and over and over. And whenever I have a tonic question that I'm not able to handle or deal with, either with people, with finance, or with circumstance or situation. I first of all go back to basics. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word of God was God. The son of God has come and has given us an understanding. That we may know. If there is something you don't understand. Something that is cloudy. How can I respond to the call of God upon my life? How do I need to grow. Under my spiritual covering. Until the time appointed of my father. You find all of this. In the ministry of Jesus Christ. You find that he is the clear expression of someone who did not just start, but someone who continued and someone who finished completely the assignment that God gave him. He finished it well. Under the old covenant, so many people did well, but not everyone can say, we cannot see of most of them that they were able to do exactly what Christ did. He is the pattern. He is the example. He is the, he, is, he is the one after which you and I should seek to be like in terms of ministry. That is why he himself said in Matthew 11:28, 28, 29, come unto me all you that labor and a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke. Um, yoke is something that is put on the neck of an oxen for the purpose of work. Anyone who is called is a yoke fellow. Anyone who is called by God is called to his work, the work of the Lord. He says, take my yoke on you, and then learn, learn of me. Look at me and see in me the expression of what ministry is supposed to be like. The expression of what ministry is supposed to be like. Learn of me, learn of me, for I make a lonely in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. Many Nigerians want to behave like American ministers, so they don't find rest. Many people who are called to something else want to behave like some other people, and so they don't find rest. But if you want to be like Jesus, I can assure you you find rest in ministry. If you behave like him with reverence to the use of money, use of time, response to those who hate you, response to difficult situations, you will discover you find rest onto your souls. Then he finished that scripture in Matthew eleven thirty by saying, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we learn of him, we'll discover that his yoke is easy and his body is actually light, just like he said it. So God's word tells us that he is our perfect example. In John thirteen fifteen, he said, I have given you an example. As I have done, even so do. As you have seen me do, do it. Whenever I get into some tough situations in circumstances of life and ministry, the first thing I ask myself is this. If Christ were to be in my shoes what will he do or I asked myself was there a time Christ was in my situation what did he do and by the time you come to that point you are putting yourself in a position where the Spirit of God can take of the things you have learned from Matthew Matthew and John and show them to you so that you can behave right many many times we behave the way we feel like at times we behave the way we have always behaved at times the way we behave the way other we will behave but easily and candidly, we should look at it like Christ. Philippians 2 5 is it let this mind, mind, the word mind there is actually in some places translated attitude or disposition towards. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Which simply means that he's expecting us to be like Christ. He's expecting us to be like Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Is that we all, with open faces, beholding as in a glass or mirror, the glory of the Lord? Now let me ex- let me explain this to you. That scripture simply is talking about you and I, looking at what we are supposed to be through what the Word of God said we should be. The mirror, or the glass, to the believer, is the Word of God. The Word of God is that mirror. You look at James chapter one. You read from verse twenty-three. He said, "You look at the glass," talking about the Word of God. So. Uh, he said, We all we don't believe in the glass, the glory of God. Now, in, in Hebrews 1 3, we are told that Christ is the brightness of His glory, the express image of His person. When we look at the word of God, which is the glory, of, when we look at the word of God, which is the mirror of God, and we see the glory of what God wants us to be in Christ, then we are changed. Our change should not be after the pattern of reading the bibliography of Smith Gooseworth. I appreciate what Smithy what did. I appreciate what Dr. John G. Lake did. I appreciate what Andrew Murray and all these great generals of yesterday years did. But in the final analysis, we are supposed to look at that glory, the 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 ex the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person. And as we keep looking at that, we are changed. We are changed. You know, um we are supposed, according to Colossians 3 10, to be renewed after the image of him that created us. So Jesus Christ is the pattern, the express image. And as we look at him in Matthew, Mark, and John, continuous read it, read it as many times as you can. Do not just read it as part of your daily Bible reading, read it continually. Read it like a handbook, read it like a companion, read it like something that is so essential to your life, not just now, but also in the future. And you'll be the better for it in every respect. Because God, who commanded light to shine out of darkness, 2 Corinthians 4 6, have shined our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of the glory of God can be deciphered in the face of Jesus Christ. When you look at Jesus' ministry, you see things every time you can learn. You see patterns after which God wants you to follow by the day. The apostles in Luke chapter 9, 51, 56, 51-56 said, look, let's kill these people just like Elijah, did, like Elijah did. Let's go far down. Let's destroy these people. And Jesus said, "Mm -hmm, you don't know what man of man, a spirit, that is in you. Now that is the pattern after which God wants us to to respond. He doesn't want to curse when we are reviled. He wants us to bless when we are cursed. He wants us to pray for them that desperately use use us and persecute us. That may be children of our Heavenly Father. So I see in Jesus Christ the pattern. Ephesians 4.20 said, we have not so learned Christ. Who are we supposed to learn from? Christ. Christ. I read books I have read so many books about various generals of God their times their lives how they handle financial situations how to handle various issues while I appreciate everything they did and everything many of them are doing that I'm seeing doing I still believe that none of them is good enough none of them is pattern enough none of them is absolute enough none of them is good enough for me to want to be like them I believe in the final analysis your heart desire your craving your longing your thirst and hunger should be to pattern your ministry after christ to put on you that yoke of his to 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 want to be like him in every respect to want to imbibe his method to want to imbibe his way of thinking to want to imbibe his posture or every situation god wants us that is the way god wants us to be i remember years ago i read first Corinthians 11 verse 1. and i was so happy i knelt down and i started praying first corinthians 11 verse 1 says Paul said, Be you followers of me as I'm of Christ. And I say, Father, thank you very much. Make me like Paul. And God said, That's not what that scripture is saying. <laughs> he said, That scripture is not saying you should be like Paul. That scripture is saying you should be like Christ. And I had to read it a second time for me to understand that. He said, Be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. What Paul was saying there is, look, just follow me the way I follow Christ. If I stop following Christ, stop following me. Because you need to follow Christ. We make mistakes at times that. Even when a man of God is already derailed and is no longer on course and is out of shape and is doing the wrong thing, preaching the wrong message, is no longer in tune with God, no longer in tune with heaven, because he's the one we are following, we have stopped following Christ. We follow him into failure. And that's why you notice when a man of God, as we are being great in those days and even up to now, misses his way and perishes and his ministry perishes with him, many other souls perish because people stop following Christ, they follow that man. But you see, that scripture says, be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. Which means it's not me you should follow, it's Christ you should follow. And that if I do anything that does not look like Christ, you have the right and the audacity simply just to follow Christ and forget about me. Because I didn't save you, I didn't give you a ministry. It was Christ who saved you and it's Christ who gave you a ministry. And if there is someone you should follow, it's one who gave you the ministry. That's why Jesus said in John 8:12. He says, For as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness at all, whether I minister or life. He said, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness at all. You will have the light of life. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. The Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Whatever you say you don't know about ministry, ask him and say, Jesus, why do you want me to go about this? If you are here, how will you have gone about it? How will you have handled it? And that is why Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. He's the beginning and the end of our faith. He is the beginning and the end of our faith. He said, Look unto him. Look unto him. And for as long as you look unto him, there's going to be a transformation in your life. If you look unto man, the best of men are the best are still men. And the final analysis, they will disappoint you. The final analysis, pride will enter. The final analysis, they begin to pursue uh, human, glorifying things are not God glorifying things for as long as Christ was in this world he did only one thing, that which glorified the Father that's why he said in John 17 I have finished the work that I gave me to do, I have glorified you upon the earth whether you know it or not ministry is intended to glorify God when Christ was here there was never a time they glorified him, they glorified God in Matthew 9 8 when he ministered and healed and moved in the power of the Holy Spirit the word of God tells us the people glorify God who are giving such power Unto men, you see that statement again. I think in Matthew 15:31 or so. So it's important for us to know that it's the best pattern of ministry. Today, many people know more about what so-and-so ministry, so-and-so ministry, so-and-so minister stands for more than what Christ stands for. They are closely following and trying to be like those people. They copy man, men in speech. They copy men in dressing. They copy men in the approach to their ministry structure. Why don't you follow Christ? Because I believe that he's the only one you can follow with great safety. He's the only one who will not miss the road. He's the only one who will not, at one time or the other, feel some negative forces and do some negative things about the work. He says, learn of me. And we need to learn of him. We need to our call, and ministry and everything we do as it were after him. I've said that just to let you understand that. The profession in which you and I are in because ministry is a profession it's not a vocation it's not something for pastor. hebrews chapter 3 i remember years ago i read that scripture such, such and such a blessing to me because then i was thinking if i become a minister of the gospel i will no longer be a professional <laughs> I, I was thinking like that i was just thinking oh dear if i become a, uh, a minister of the gospel then i'll just be one of those people in those days the picture of a minister that i had was a man with a dark small shirt under a black coat with a small piece of rubber around the neck to show that he's a member of the clergy. So I felt look, I will not be a professional. And God got children ask him to early in the morning. Hebrews 3 1. He said, We are for holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. <laughs> I love it. Of our profession. And I look at I say, ah, profession, look at it. this the profession. He said it's the apostle and high priest of our business, of our job, of, of, of this thing we are in, in doing. So he said, Follow him. If he's the high priest and the apostle of our profession, he's the one who made salvation possible and who gave gifts to men, then, and he has given us a pattern that we should follow. He's come to give us an understanding. He's come to open our eyes. He's come to enlighten us. He's come to educate us. He's come to encourage us. He's come to challenge us. He's come to direct us. He's come to guide us. He's the light that shines in darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend. He's the one who says, Follow me. And we help you even in the following of him. So, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of a profession. It's a profession you are in. 1 John 2, 6. He that seeth, he abideth in him, even so to walk as he walked. We are supposed to walk as he walked. 1 Peter two twenty one. He said, Christ have given us an example that we should walk in his steps. He has put those steps in the ground. He has put those footmarks, those prints in the ground. That all you and I need to do to find a way is just to follow closely. When we wholly follow, like Joshua and Caleb, follow the Lord, we shall enter into the promised land. But when we become independent in spirit and we believe that we can see more, we can hear better, we understand much more than him that we are supposed to follow. We are likely to perish in the wilderness of life. Those who enter into the promised land followed. The Word of God tells us in number 14-24 that they wholly followed. And when they wholly followed, they got to the place where they started out for. And I believe that no ministry is too big enough, no man of God is too great enough, he's, he's so well performed, he's so productive, he's so fruitful, he's so highly best, he's highly great, that he should not be the one you follow instead of Christ. When it comes to ministry, he is the safest to follow. He's, uh, he is the most reliable, most dependable to follow. There's no way you can follow Christ in ministry and not get to the place where he started you out for. He's the auto and finisher. He started you out, and if you follow him, he will take you to where the end is. You'll not be lost in transit You'll not be overwhelmed in the wilderness. You'll not be destroyed by the circumstances and exigencies of ministry. All those things that choke people along the way are meant for those who don't wholly follow. They, 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 they entrap and they enslave and they ensnare those who don't follow. But when you wholly follow as you're supposed to one thing is definite and that is you will by his grace and his provision get to the place of destiny a disciple is not greater than his master he that shall be perfect shall surely be like his master today by the grace of god you know i said that just like a background when you talk about the minister's guide you know the minister's guide Uh, i'm talking about that which you can follow that which you can have with you that which you can reliably carry with you and that confidently take you to the place where you're going. And I will say, without any fear of contradiction, is the example of Jesus Christ our Lord. His example with reference to purity, his example with reference to integrity. You know, Christ was the president of the ministry, but he never had all the money in his hand or his bag. He was someone who had an accountant, there was accountability in the procedure. He, he was someone who shared and delegated responsibility because he never felt insecure. I have studied Matthew Luke and done so much that there is no aspect of ministry when you look at it that I, ne- I, I never see him coming. Even as far back as then, there was a structure that he operated in. He never felt insecure. He never, he never felt that he could not share his anointing with people. He shared his pulpit with people. He, he sent the apostles out. He sent the 70 out. He allowed them to preach, he allowed them to minister even while he was alive. They were doing what they were supposed to do when he died. He gave them an opportunity to operate in an anointing while he could sit back. He sent them out. He anointed people with oil. They cast out devils. They, 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 they did miracles while he was here. He allowed them. He never felt that, oh, by doing this kind of thing they will eclipse me. By giving them this opportunity, uh, they will make me irrelevant. He felt very secure because his calling was solid his calling was sure and so let him be your example when you look at him you look at his character you look at his nature you look at his personality you look at the words that proceed out of his mouth i preached a message a year before the words that came out of the mouth of jesus someone gave me a bible that had this red letter edition where you find jesus words in red and i just read all those words and i saw in so many places how he spoke when he spoke who he spoke to I saw in so many places the way he responded to people. People that are annoying him, people that irritated him, people that were slow, some of, some of his own personal staff. I saw in many situations where he responded to pain, pain, you know, where he responded to, to betrayal. He called those who betrayed him friend. Because he was very sure that there was nothing anybody could do against the purpose of God in his life. That no matter what you do against him, he will still find his place. Because as far as he was concerned, his life was a planned life. And i was not going to miss anything out. so i believe he is the perfect example he has come to give us an understanding but you have to take advantage of the understanding that he has come to give us you have to take advantage of it if you don't take advantage of it there is no way you can profit from the coming of christ at times i always want to encourage some people many of those books you carry around little, little little books written by hungry authors and a couple of other people who don't even know what they are doing you need to throw them away and spend some time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 89 chapters. If you read, if you, if you read three of them every day, if you read three chapters every day, you know how far you go. Just go over it again and again and again and again. And when circumstances come suddenly you just discover that the Son of God who come, who came to give you an understanding will just bring light out of darkness. And you'll be able to know exactly how to handle the situation. You'll be able to know how to deal with the circumstance, even without a lot of effort on your part. You just see that. Word, the word of god comes the situation just come before you and look like many many times i've been in some fix a fix one fix or the other and as i was just thinking of what to do a, a word a phrase a, a statement an occasion, an instance a situation will just come suddenly before me and i will receive wisdom instantly i will receive wisdom because when you have knowledge that the spirit of god applying that knowledge to your situation gives you wisdom to be able to write act Alright right in that circumstance now in the ministry of jesus christ there are three things i want to share with you today actually there's only one of them i want to share but i just want to i want us to look at the three of them i look at the first two just for about two, two minutes and then it's the last one i want us to look at very very closely there were three things that jesus stressed and i want us to look at it a little bit closely I look at it and see the relevance to us as ministers today the first thing I want us to look at was what Jesus said to the father in John 17:18, and he said it to the apostles in John 20:21. 20, in John 17:18, Jesus said to the father, As you have sent me into the world, even so sent I them into the world, and then he repeated it in Acts 20:21. 20, is it as the father hath sent me even so send i you what i want us to ask ourselves as a question is this and that is a very simple thing and it is this do you really realize that you have been sent by god as a minister that you are a sent person The word sent in Latin is the word mitau, which means I send." In Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8, he said, who shall go for us? Who shall I send? Moses was sent to Pharaoh. Elijah was sent to Ahab. We need to understand that we are sent people. Now, the first thing I would like to say about that phrase, as the Father have sent me, Even so, send I you. The first thing I would like to say is, you cannot send yourself. A situation where you make up your mind where you want to go and what you want to do is not a true reflection of someone who is sent. God was speaking to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 1, verse 7 He said, You will go to the place that I command you, and the word that I give you will you speak. There is a sending. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man so are we in the hand of our father I want you to know that when he says as my father has sent you sent me even so send I you you will have to be sent by God to undertake something you will have to be sent by God to a place you will have to be sent by God to do a particular thing so to what extent can you Today, can you say most people are sent? It is common knowledge that many people want to say in the city. But most people, to whom God we want to send them, don't live in the cities. It has been discovered that 91% of ministers live in cities. And only 9% of the population of the world live in cities. So you can imagine that 9. 9- of the ministers are ministering therefore to the 91% who are in other areas that people have not gone to despite the fact that God has sent them there when he talks about being sent easily and quietly when I look at what people do and the way they go about it I can tell you to a large degree that not many people who are doing what they are doing today are sent to do them and that is the reason for lack of fruitfulness. That is why you have so many churches in some cities, and yet the voice of the city has not changed. Salt cannot be in food and will not taste, except the salt has lost its aval. Anyone who goes to do an assignment or who goes to a place without being sent will not be effective. There can be the appearance of the form of effectiveness by reason of size but it is not that that person is effective that is why you find in the so many cities so many ministries so many churches so many organizations so many programs but very little change in those cities crime rate is still high feebleness is still high lack of proper response to god is still high that is an indication to you that No matter what, you see, because God does not send people to places where they will not be effective. Because when God sends, he backs up whosoever he sends. God always backs up whosoever he sends in such a way that they are effective. One person, Moses, was sent to Egypt and you could see the effect. Elijah, one person, was sent. At times, it's not the number of people. It's not the size. It is the backing, the backing, the backing, the backing. That that person has. That has been sent. Um, Just like one sinner can destroy much good. One righteous man can produce great results. If he is sent. The question I am asking you this night is. Are you sent? And to whom are you sent? To whom are you sent? And what are you sent to do? He said as my father has sent me. When Christ came here. It was only one Christ. He shook the whole nation. He, he was the only person <laughs> and uh, in the days of apostle paul and uh, a few of the other people that worked with him when they come into cities the whole city is shaken into the foundation why because he was definitely sent he said he will bear my name before kings before gentiles and before the children of israel and now we show him how great a thing uh, uh, how great things he will suffer for their sake and you could see the effectiveness but the question is to whom are we sent and really Are we listened? Are all these people sent, or we just volunteer? Are people definitely sure about the fact that God has sent them? Jesus said, Listen to me. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. So there is nothing like doing something that you're not sure whether Christ sent you to it or not. There has to be a clear recognition in your heart. If someone were to stop you by the way and say, What are you sent to do? And where are you sent? And to whom? are you sent you should be able to give a clear cut answer i'm sent to the sick i'm sent to the poor i'm sent to the lordship i'm sent to the barren, i'm sent to the weak i'm sent to the ignorant i'm sent to those who sit in darkness and to those who walk in the valley of the shadow of death i'm sent to bring light to them so it's important for you to know that i am sent i am a sent person an ambassador is not someone who happens to have a visiting visa to u.s many Nigerians go to USA but not all Nigerians who go to USA are ambassadors in USA there is only one ambassador someone whom the Nigerian government sent, that's the ambassador and the word of God says in 2 Corinthians 5.20 now are we ambassadors for Christ, a minister is an ambassador you are not just someone that happens to occur if you look at everyone in the bible so to speak that had an assignment to do anyone who was called You will see that they were deliberately sent on purpose with clear-cut specific details as to the instruction. So when Christ says, As my father have sent me, which means Christ came to this world with a purpose. First John 3:8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he may destroy the works of the devil. Now that is a clear purpose. And that is the purpose that is purposed that that is the purpose that is purposed. Is that a eternal purpose? And there's nothing you can do about it. But in that same way, Jesus said, "As my Father have sent me, even so send I you." To what extent do you have that instruction from His mouth? Job 22, 21 "Acquaint yourself with Him and be at peace; thereby peace shall come. I mean, good shall come to you." Then it says in verse twenty-two: "Receive, I pray you, the law from His mouth and lay it up in your heart." Are you sent, or are you just doing what you're doing? Are you sent? Now let me now say something to you that will shock you here. Now Christ said, "As my Father have sent me, even so send I you." But notice that even of those that Christ sent, He also gave power that they can send. Let me give you a good example here. Let me explain this to you. Now God sent Christ. Christ sent me. Now Christ sent me. Agreed, and then one, two, three, four young men happen to say, well, God has sent us to you. Then I send them. And I say, okay, you go to Ilorin, You go to Ofa, You go. Now, it's important for you to recognize one fact. That by my sending them, it does not disqualify they are being sent by God. My sending them is as if God is the one sending them as well because christ said as my father have sent me even so send i you and he that despises you despises me and he that despises me despises him that sent me so everything to go back so as a minister please realize this if you are sent by your senior minister by apostolic oversight by someone to whom authority has been delegated it is still the sending power that has been being is still being used to send me to that place you should still, still respect that sending power uh, I remember someone was telling me this he said if you send me to go I will have to ask God whether he is leading me to go or not and now uh, <laughs> it simply means that you don't understand because the way it works is this God sent Christ Christ sent us and we send orders but you see wherever those people go the attitude should be God sent me here God sent me here I wanted to notice Joseph's attitude towards being in Egypt Joseph did not look at being in Egypt as a mistake he looked at being in Egypt as a sending of the Lord that God was one who sent him there Jeremiah 10 these I know that the way of man is not in himself it is not a man that walk to direction path as a young minister or someone under someone else if you are given an assignment to do see it as if it is god sending you do not look at the man as it were do not look at the officer do not look at your immediate boss look at god because that is how the authority flows there's a scripture that i quoted already luke 10 16 he said, he that despises, he that honor you, honoreth me. And he that despises you, despises me. And he that despises you, despises he that sent me. So are you sent? Do you look at where you are and what you are doing as something you have been sent by God to do? And look at it in the light of the, what Christ said. As the Father has sent me, even so sent are you. So you are sent so look at wherever you are and whatever you are doing as something that you are saying you see if you look at it like that whenever you are there you have a challenge and you have a difficulty you will not look around what will i do you look to him because you have always regarded him as him that sent you whenever i go to preach in any place or i go to minister in any country i don't see myself as going there because i'm invited i, I don't see myself as going there because I like going there I don't see myself going there as visiting one or two friends I go there as God sending me, that is how I go there and my, my conscious belief is what Moses believed in Exodus 3, 14 he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you peace I will give you rest so Christ said, as my father has sent me even so send I you so a minister should always look at himself wherever you go, that God is sending me not that I am invited. Because if it is because I'm invited, then I have to play to the gallery of those people. But the Bible tells us in John 3:34, he that is sent of God speaketh the word of God. If you go there by yourself, you speak your own words. But if you go there because you are sent, you speak his words. He told Jeremiah, you go to the place that I command, and the word that I give you will you speak. It means with every sending there is a word. That is why you read the second Corinthians chapter 2nd just 5 17 when you read down he said we are forever and in christ he is a new creature all things are passed away behold all things are becoming new and all things have gone who has reconciled us to just by himself and has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation to wit, that god was in christ reconciling the world unto himself and has given unto us the word of reconciliation so he sent us to the ministry of reconciliation and he gave us the word of reconciliation so if you are going somewhere. One way of testing whether God has sent you or not is what will I tell them when I get there? What will I say? When God sent Moses, Moses said, Who will I say send me? Who will I say send me? He said, tell them I am that I am sent to you. He said then what will I say? And God ought to assure him in Exodus 4:12, I will give you what you will say. Exodus 4:15, I will tell you what you should do. Now that tells you that that's to be sent if you are sent you'll be sent to a place to a people and you'll be given a message if you don't have a message to give in that place probably you're not sent there probably you're just going there on your own this is a simple way in which I have tested it whenever I'm going to a particular place that I've been invited to the first thing I ask myself is this what, what Lord, what, what are you giving me what word are you giving me because it's I like sent of God speak of the word of God and if you don't have the word you have given me then probably have not sent me there but if you have the word that you have given me then you have sent me there so I will go with your word and when I get there after every preaching after every teaching they will say "Ah, it's like you're here with us Reverend George it's like you live here with us it's like you know everything if I want pastor many of them will say we don't even need to tell you anything anymore because whenever you come here you just say everything now there is no way humanly naturally and physically speaking have been able to say what i said if god did not give it to me so it is why did god give it to me because god sent me there so you need to ask yourself you have been invited to come and sing now the question is this is god sending me there you have been invited to come and join a fellowship is god sending me there You have been invited to become a part of this part of that the question is are you sending me there there have been some places that when i am invited i'm getting ready and trying to take the invitation on friendship basis on the on the basis that I've always gone there, and God will categorically tell me I'm not sending you there. If you want to go, you can go on a visit. And at times when I go to such places because I always go to such places, all I will have is just a, a, a time of enjoying ourselves. We could crack a few jokes, we could say a few things, we could rejoice. But in terms of making an impact, I don't usually make an impact. So the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that look, we are sent. You are a sent person. You are not just. Someone that's supposed to go to a place because you always go, because everybody's going, because you like going, but because you are sent, because you are sent. And I love some things because it makes ministry easier. Your yoke is easy, your body is light. You're able to minister with accuracy. You're able to minister with unction. You're able to minister with divine backing. You're able to minister with divine protection. You're able to minister with divine supplies. Why? Because you are sent. And so let me give you a good example for example i know young ministers have told me this years ago when i used to send them to go and represent me years ago when they will invite me they said i you want to come and i said oh my god i can't come they say okay send somebody now when they say send somebody i'm always conscious of the fact that look they ask me to send somebody not because just someone to stand in the pulpit and talk they ask me to send somebody who will do exactly what should have been done if i come now my person is what god uses he doesn't have to he could use somebody else so whenever somebody says i have to send somebody i always call them and say come sit down now you are going there not just to represent yourself so don't think because they see you this time they invite you next time no matter how good you do i'm sending you so i lay hands on them and i pray for grace and i pray for the self-same anointing that would have been on me if i had gone there to be on them And they will come that the work Christ did is the work we are doing. If the work Christ concentration, are we doing with the same determination? Are we doing with the same sense of urgency that Christ did it? The work that I do. Years ago when I saw that scripture, it frightened me. You see, because today when you see the way people walk, the works of Christ, you'll be ashamed. The ministry is blamed why because many people who are doing the works of Christ do not know that the work they're doing is Christ's work they think it's the work of man they think it's their own work they think it's just something you do because you have nothing doing Jesus says the work that I do shall you do also so the question now is in what way did he do his work with what level of zeal did he do his work with what level of consecration did he do his work? With what degree of determination did he do his work? Was he lazy at his work? Was he double minded? Did he retire? Was he handworking? It's still because the work you are doing is my work, it's the same work I did. And he said then greater works than this shall you do. Now greater works not in terms of the fact that you and now will perform greater miracles than he performed, but in terms of the number. Number. When he was here he was only one now we are so many of us and evidently we are getting more and more every day who are involved in this work but the point the thought i just wanted to know is this the work that he did he said that is what you are doing so this work should be a honorable work paul said in romans eleven thirteen, 13 he said i magnify my office ecclesiastes 9 10 says whatever your hand find to do he said do without your mind Let let it let this statement guide you. The work that I do shall you do also. Don't let it diminish because it's down your hand. The race that I run, you will run also. Don't let it spoil because it's down your tongue. Don't let it be carelessly handled. It's the same work I did. Look at the way he did it. In John 9 4, he said, I must walk. The work of heat that said, Everyone is day, for the night cometh when no man can walk. Acts 738: I God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost with power, who went about the work that I will do, shall you do also. In Matthew 5:23, I mean, Matthew 5:23, Matthew 9:20, Matthew 5:23, 9:35 god's word tells us that he went about their cities and their villages he went about now that is the passion you, you see the kind of passion that jesus had for the work is the kind of passion he wants to have for the work he doesn't want you to diminish he doesn't want you to he doesn't want you to like look at it in a different way from the way he looked at it the work that i do shall you do also i won't stay much time because of my time the third point which i want to actually do with a little mom i will now quickly go on to it so the first thing i said this evening is jesus said that my father has sent me even, i sent me even so i said i you and then the second thing he said is that the work that i do shall you do and i want us as ministers for that to guide us i want you to guide us no matter what little work you are doing see it as part of the work that he did no matter where you are working you know something god said this to me this afternoon is this some people think because their their work is small? Their work is in music or helps or ushering or administration. They do not see it much as the work of Christ. Or because their work is 2004 years after, they think it's not the work of Christ. Or because their work is in Nigeria and Christ worked in Israel, they think it's not the work of Christ. But I want you to notice that statement the work that I do, shall you do also. As his parties that go down to battle Shows shall be part that tarry by the storm Which means no matter what little thing you are doing Even if you are driving You are washing, you are cleaning God said it's part of the work that I do Did So that is one way of looking at your work Don't look at your work in any other way Don't look at your work as This is not central, this is not vital This is not important, this is not major It is major It is vital, it is part of the work of Christ It is not something that you should look at down or despise or overlook is something that is very valuable. Now the third point, let me go click on to it. Now, another thing that Jesus Christ stressed and that is what I want us to stress today. and I want us to stress it a little bit. Apart from saying as my father have sent me, so send now you. And apart from saying the work that I do, shall you do also. Another thing that Christ stressed was the will of God. The will of God the will of God many ministers do not know the importance of the will of God many ministers do not seek the will of God in every situation many ministers do not really understand the will of God many ministers probably do not even care about doing the will of God Though there is something I noticed in the minister of Christ he kept talking about the will of God he kept speaking about the will of god now therefore to me the will of god was a guide to the places that jesus had to go to the things that jesus said to the people that he worked with to the miracles that he performed the will of god was like the controlling force behind every aspect of his ministry it was what guided him It was what charted for him the course along which he walked. It was what determined the kind of places he had to go to and the kind of things he had to do. It was what determined how long he spent in a place. It was the summary propelling force for the people he healed and the people he did not heal. I remember years ago when I laid hand on someone and I wanted to pray for them to be healed and God said remove your hand. Now, up to that i had never been able to understand that there were some people god may tell you not to pray for I, I didn't know that when that happened to me i did not understand so i told the young man i said i'm sorry but the lord is asking me not to pray for you and he couldn't understand but months after when i was studying the word of god i saw first Timothy 5:22, where he says lay hands on no man be no partaker of other men's sin; keep yourself pure." <laughs> so I discovered so what I'm saying is this I discovered in the ministry of Christ that his guiding force was the will of God it propelled him it determined where he walked to it determined the words he spoke it determined what he listened to it determined the things that he did it determined almost everything about his ministry this afternoon I summarized the following Number one, I summarized that Christ was absolutely submitted to the will of God. Number two, I summarized that Christ was absolutely obedient to the will of God. I also summarized this afternoon not only that he was absolutely submitted to the will of God and absolutely obedient to the will of God, but I also summarized that Christ was absolutely dependent on the will of God. He was absolutely dependent on the will of God. And because of these three reasons, Christ always absolutely sought the will of God. Let me say it again. Christ absolutely submitted the will of God. Christ absolutely obeyed the will of God. Christ absolutely depended Depended on the will of God, and because of that, Christ absolutely sought the will of God. It was what determined everything for him, it was the propelling force, it was what determined how he dressed. Have you ever asked yourself, Is it the will of God for me to dress this way? Have Have you ever asked yourself, Is it the will of God for me to be in a city? Have you ever asked yourself, Is it the will of God? You see, as Christians, we only begin to talk about the will of god when we talk about marriage that is when people actually begin to think about the will of god but i discovered in christ ministry that it was the main thing it was the major thing it was what made him it was what he was always thinking about whenever he was called to go to a place the question would be is this the will of god whenever i was called to to do something the question would be is this the will of god whenever he was called to walk with somebody the question would be is this the will of god i don't know whether you see it but i'm going to share with you very many things that christ said about the will of god you will see that it was the controlling force and several years ago i made up my mind that the will of god was going to be controlling force of my entire life now it is not everything that is the will of god that will go down well with you it's not everything that the will of god that you like and accept at first sight but first john 2 17 said he that doeth the will of the lord shall abide forever if you want to have continuity and relevance you want to have bite and effectiveness you want to be productive and continually anointed the will of god is not something to be compromised and ephesians six says not with eye service as men please us but as servants of god doing the will of god from the heart Jesus sought the will of God because he was dependent on the will of God. He sought it. He sought the will of God because he was obedient to the will of God. He sought the will of God because he was absolutely submitted to it. And every time he was always seeking the will of God. But nowadays for young men and women, the only time people are interested in the will of God, some people, not even most people, is when it comes to marriage. And even when the will of God is known, they are not really careful to maintain it. And that's why I said the minister's guide. What is it that is guiding you? What is it that is putting you in the straight and narrow? You see, I, I tell people this. I would have done so many things so many years ago. But why not? The will of God. The only reason why I have not done many of the things I felt like doing. Why I have not gone to many of the places I felt like going. Why I have not packed up many things I should have packed up. Is the will of God. That's the only reason. Is the restraining factor it is the only thing that stops me it is the only thing to which i submit it is the only thing i refuse to resist It is the only thing i refuse to disregard i mean it's the only thing that i, I cannot just overlook it is my guide it's my guide jesus taught the apostles to pray as early as matthew 16 he said they should pray like this thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven paul told the ephesian church ephesians 5 17 be not unwise but understand the will of the lord when it comes to god's work my brother it's important for us to understand the the place and the value of the we a minister must understand it every place is not your place every time is not your time everything you want to do is not everything you can do and you should do why because the will of God several years ago in this time I was offered the opportunity of becoming the principal of a Bible school and immediately I asked God God said no it's not my will not because of pride I rejected I didn't reject it based on pride I'd rather be in the center of the will of God and be an ant than be an elephant out of the will of God I rather obey God in submission to his will than disobey God because of pride. It takes humility to be guided by his will. It takes submission. It's the minister's guide. It restrains you. If you are the kind of person that has a heart desire for the will of God, you will never be found in a place where the devil will catch you. The devil only catches people who never value the will of God as something that should guide them. The will of God must be the controlling factor. It must be, the, it must be that thing that keeps you in the straight and out narrow. It's that jacket that you wear that, that limits you to a particular line of action. Those situations may seduce and entice you. Jesus said, Matthew seven twenty one. He said, it is not him that said unto me, Lord, Lord, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's the value of the will of God. He said, it is not just saying unto me, Lord, Lord. It is not the mouth attestation. It is not just calling me, Lord, Lord. It is not having a form of godliness. But he said, he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. In the days when Christ was here, Mark chapter 3, verse 35. And in Matthew twelve fifty, his brothers, his sisters, his mother came to visit him while he was in ministry. And they said, hey, Jesus, your brother, your sister, your mother are seeking for you jesus said my brother my sister and my mother are those who do my will what means god is saying i identify only to those who allow my will to monitor and guide their lives it is very easy to do many things go to many places have so many friends at times some people have tried to work with me be close to me in ministry and god would just say no don't be close to that person why It's not my will. Evil, communication, corrupt good manners. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 33. So my response to those people is not based on whether they are educated or not educated, whether they are not or not. It's based on the fact that it is not the will of God for us to be. There are some sisters you want to marry. There are some brothers you feel like marrying. But as far as God is concerned, it's not the will of God. There are some places you want to go. There are some jobs you want to take. There are some things you want to do. But as far as God is concerned, it's not the will of God. There are many things i will have done before now but as far as god is concerned it's not the will so the will of god should be sought you and i should find the will of god on every matter no matter is too small no matter is too minute no matter is too inconsequential for us to find what the will of god is about it choosing a course in the university changing faculties the question is is it the will of god for me to change from a Greek to engineering let me give you a good testimony here. There was a brother who was going to the university here in the University of Illinois. When he was going to go, he took his form, he prayed, he said, God, what is your will for me? And God said, well, I wanted to apply to read zoology. So he applied for zoology. After, I think, the first year or so, he did so well in the exam. And they tempted him and offered him. I said, ah, you can change your course if you want. You can change it. So he went and changed his course, I think, to one course like whether agronomy or Greek science or Greek economics. I can't remember, but he changed it. When he came to me and said he had changed it, I said, "Look, you can't just change your arrangement with God like that without His notice. If he, he told you that in the beginning, this is the course you should read, there is a purpose, and that purpose must stand. And if you change the course without notifying Him because you think you have done better in the 400 level exam, you get yourself into a position where not even God can help you." He, he, he said, "Well, anything that is good, God wants it for me." I said, "Well, every good and perfect gift." so he changed the exam he changed everything found level 100 level he had no problem 200 no problem 300 no problem 400 his problem began it was like all the problems in the world came and decided to gang up against him to cut a long story short when he was going to graduate from the university i think he failed at one or two courses i can't remember the courses he failed he had repeated those courses i think once or twice or thrice he had he, he failed that course and he had to repeat, gave you one extra, one extra semester to start with. The later one year and so on. They kept discovering so many things that he had not done because he changed his course. At times, when those people change courses, you don't know there are implications for other things that you don't know. At times, there are some courses your colleagues took in the 100 or 200 level that you did, you are not aware of, and it may not so be immediately relevant until you get to the final year of graduation. So they began to bring out those courses one by one. Took out a long story short, this brother had only one paper more to do. So we prayed. We believed God. We fasted. We prayed. We did everything. After it was time for him to go and do this exam, I just had a feeling that the brother was not going to pass. I just had a feeling that our brother was going to be sent out of university without anything to show for it after so many years of repetition. What I'm saying is this. The will of God is supposed to... You see, most of the time, little things that you think do not matter, when you are dealing with God, they do matter. And so the young man did the exam and I think he's got 34 went to all the lecturers with you the professors everybody we begged them we begged them we begged them we, to cut the a long story short we could not get them begged he failed and they had to tell him to leave the university with nothing after so many years <laughs> many christians because he was a very good christian on campus very good brother very nice brother a good brother you know a good brother happened to be sent out so people were asking questions people were saying ah what happened god we prayed we fasted we rooted out we destroyed we killed them, we cancelled out we, we built we plant we spoke the right words, we declared, we decreed, and all that. Why did it not happen? I would never forget one morning I woke up while I, the why question was in my heart. I said, God, I'm not accusing you, but just tell me what happened. Listen to what God said, I would never forget. He said, When he changed his course, he did not tell me, so I did not know he was doing that course. Now, you would think that is sarcastic, but it's as true as that. It's as true. He said, I didn't know he was doing that course. <laughs> so I called him, brother, I said, this is what God said. He said, in going before God, he himself realized that that was where he missed it. At times, this, you see, it should be our guide. The will of God should be our guide. Is it the will of God for me to leave this university for that university? What university is it the will of God for me to go to? What kind of a Does God want me to leave Polytechnic and go to the university to start with? Does God want me to study this course to start with? Does God want me to be with this person, go to that place, be part of this thing. Does God want me? You see, because whether you know it or not, there are certain things that make God happy about our and certain things that make him unhappy. Jesus said this in John 4 34. He said, My meat is the what I feed on. My meat is to do the will of God and finish his work. My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me, and this is what it says: My mere meat, let's read it, is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. I want us to look at three things in that statement. John four thirty four. You see three things, the three things I'm talking about right now. John 4, 34. Are you there? Okay. John four thirty four. 34. Jesus said unto them: My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me on the word that was sent the wheel on the line wheel of him that sent me and then finish his work now what does that tell you there are so many things you can get just for looking at those verse that verse god wants us to do his will he sent us he wants us to finish his work but the summary is god wants us to fi- god who has sent us want us to finish the work he has given us Doing his will. So it's not enough to finish my work. It's not enough to be sent by God. It's important for me. To do his will. In the work he has sent me. To do. So what becomes my guide? The will of God. Not because I'm sent. Not because I'm walking. What becomes my guide? The will of God. My guide in the work he has given me to do. Is his will. That is his, that is my guide, that's what guides me. The fact that is his will. Now, let when you read John chapter 5, verse 30. Jesus now said, Jesus is speaking. He said, I seek not my own will. That is the big part of that scripture. I seek not my own will, but the will of him that sent me. Then when you get to John 6:38, he said, I came down from heaven, not To do my own will. Young minister. Are you doing your own will? It is God who says I will do my will. Not man. You and I are expected to do his will. That's why Hebrews 10 verse 7 and 9 says. Lo I come as it is written of me in the volume of the books to do his will psalm 40 verse 8 he said i delight to do his will i'm happy to do it it may not be something that makes me happy but i'm happy to do it i'm happy to do what i'm doing i'm happy to be where i am i'm happy to go where i go i'm happy to work with who i work with i'm happy to marry who says you marry i'm happy to labor where i'm supposed to labor i'm happy to be who i am i'm not there is no joy in being something that is not god's will one of the reasons why unhappiness creeps into our lives is that we are making god unhappy years ago god told me this he said you cannot make me unhappy and be happy so you can't he said if i'm unhappy with you you will be unhappy too because my spirit is in you and if my spirit is grieved my spirit is what you depend upon remember i told you that jesus was absolutely dependent on the will of god my spirit is within you and my spirit is what you depend upon for your ministry if therefore i am made unhappy you cannot be a happy person either so one thing you need to do is to seek the face of god if you're going to be a happy minister as to his will in every area on every front with respect to everything no matter how my need my new things like changing courses changing university very important I'm not talking about a station whereby you have failed so badly and they ask you to withdraw, that's not what I'm talking about I'm not talking about a station where you have no choice, I'm talking about a station where you have a choice because God will never hold you responsible for what you do not have a choice about, the word of God tells us that, in Deuteronomy 13 19, he said that, I call everyone out to record this day against you I said before you life and death, blessing and cursing, they say choose life that you and your children may live. So the minister's guide is the will of God. Is this the will of God? To buy a house? To build a house? Is it the will of God to buy a car? Is it the will of God to go back to the university for a master's degree? Is it the will of God? God told me years ago, he said, You could go back to the university for a master's degree and you never use the degree. Because it was initially never my will for you to do it. So it will be useless what is not the will of god for you to do you can do it it doesn't mean that you will not be able to do it but it will be useless it will be of no value it will be of no value you could have spent the same time and the same resources on something that could help you and be of value to you more than what you spend your time and energy in doing it could be of no you. why because it is not his will it could it may not bless you not change your life because it is not his will may not add anything to you because it may not necessarily hurt you that you did it but it in any way it did not contribute anything towards you and i don't think anybody wants to labor in vain because one labor people labor many people labor in vain you labor in vain when i did not know the essence and importance of what i'm sharing with you today i have gone to minister and labor in vain i go for a whole week lose my voice lose my health come back nothing to show for it in terms of soul saved, no soul to suffer it. In terms of people that have been helped, no people that have been helped. Why? It was never His will. That is why you exercise yourself in futility. Except the Lord build a house. Psalm one twenty-seven verse two. Except the Lord build a house, the boy that build it. Except the Lord watch over the Lord watch over the city. The watchman wicked, but in vain. In vain. In vain. They build a house, but it is in vain. Useless. So the minister's guide is the will of God. In ministry it should be the will of god well i feel like acquiring this i feel like becoming this i feel like traveling to this one place i feel like helping with this is it god's will the fact that you feel it the fact that it's a good effort the fact that you want to do it sacrificially does not mean you are going to benefit from it and we should not run and run in vain we should not labor and labor in vain in our labor proverbs 14 says there is profit there must be a gain from it the minister's guide the minister's guide many many times this is something more people never bother about well do we bother about the will of God now in the next few minutes that I have I want to share with you how as a minister on all occasions, you can find the will of God for situations or circumstances how you can find the will of God how you can find the will of God some people until there is an emergency in their lives like a brother talks to a sister or there's a situation of a job offer they never know how to find the will of God I want to share with you simply and briefly how you can locate the will of God for your life so that you can prevent yourself from making blunders wasting your energy and time because that's one thing most people do not know how to locate many people in ministry don't know how to locate up to that every offer they get to travel they jump at it it may not be the will of God You could win a green card. Get the green card, but it may not be the will of God to leave this country. You may have an opportunity to relocate. Your brother, your uncle, may say, I will set you in America, but it may not be the will of God. The fact that it looks the way it looks does not mean it is right. But people don't know that. If to talk about the offers that I've had in life, the opportunities, the openings that I've had, to talk about it. If I did not do the will of God, I will never be at this point in the position where God can bless me anymore because I will have messed up my own life. You have only one life to live and you can mess it up. And once your life is messed up, there is a limit to which it can be corrected or helped or healed. It's the same thing in ministry. Let me say this to you. Once you miss out on some things in ministry, it may become too difficult to turn around and turn back to it. know people who left this town years ago and it was not the will of God today they are back to town but it cannot be as it was it can be as it was it cannot be anymore as it should have been when they lost the opportunity because you see then it was the will of God and we who are there told them I said hey this thing you are doing I have a feeling I told the person I said I have a feeling what you're about to do is not the will of God he said no it is I said it's not there are those who, by reason of use, have their senses excited. One thing I developed as a young Christian was to be able to locate the will of God. And I'm going to share with you right now some things you need to inculcate into your life so that at short notices you can know whether something is the will of God or not. Because tomorrow you may win a green card. A green card does not actually mean green pastures, it could be brown pastures, it could be destruction of purpose, it could be that you are being taken away from destiny. It could be. It doesn't mean that because those opportunities are on another side of the world, it necessarily looks better. They don't. Because God's purpose for your life is clearly stated. And you may not be able to recover from the pain of missing it once, of missing it twice. If you want to find the will of God, and I, Christ was always for the will of God. He said, I came down from heaven. He said, What made me leave that place? Come here. Is the will of God? I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of He that sent me. The servant said in Psalm 43 verse ten, "He said, Teach me to do Your will. Teach me to do Your will. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the path of uprightness. Teach me. Teach me to do Your will. I prayed that prayer only God knows how many times. God, teach me to do Your will. Let me understand Your will. Let me walk in Your will. Let me." Do everything after your will. Let me only walk with people if it's your will for me to walk with them. And through such things, you will will be able to evade the traps of the snare of the fowler and the noisome pestilence. You will be able to evade wasting your energy and time and talent on things that don't count. Many people have wasted their energy on degrees that have no value. And many people are not putting their life into degrees that have value, because there are some people that the will of god for you is to get a master's degree and do a phd according to the will of god that is what he wants for you but you see what but, but because we don't really care about it we just just that it's not everybody's going i will go everybody nobody's going so i will not go that's not the way it works our lives are not the same you need to understand what god wants be not a wife but understand what the will of the lord the will of the lord when, they were, when Paul was going to Jerusalem and people were trying to discourage him in Acts 21, when they could not discourage him again in Acts 21-14, he said, when we could not stop him, he said, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord, let it be done. That will be done in my life, in my thoughts, in my relationship, in where I go, in my business. There are some business offers you will have like this and it's not the will of God for you to do it. Good jobs, LPO's, openings people will say come and do this and it is not the will of god for you to touch it if a businessman wants there i read the story of a jewish man who was so prosperous there was no business deal that he did that he ever failed there was no business deal that he did that he lost money so one man came to him and said ah, why is it that you don't lose money the way we lose money why is it that every business you do you always succeed and the man said i spend more time going before God to ascertain whether it's the will of God for me to do that business that I spent in doing the business. He said, I have never done any business I was not very sure it's the will of God for me to do. It comes in in business. It comes in marriage. It comes in ministry. It comes in in life. It comes in even in traveling. You wake up in the morning you have a journey slated and it just appears to you. It's not my will for you to travel. Release it and go. You can travel another time. You don't have to travel. Well, you know I have made up my mind to travel. Even you could prepare a message, get your people to preach, and God said, no, don't preach it. It's not my will for you to preach it. Fine. Just worship me. Lift up your hand and praise me. And go ahead and do that, and God will show himself stronger that if you preach that message. It's our guide. The minister's guide it is the will of God. It is what puts you in the narrow, in the stretch, where you can be prosperous, fruitful, productive, successful, and get the kind of results that God wants you to get. Jesus said, I can of myself do nothing. That is the A part of John 5.30. I can of my own self do nothing. I seek not my own will. What I'm trying to do is not my will. That's why when the time came for him to go to the cross, he said in myself I didn't want to go. He said, but your will, let it be done. That is absolute surrender. To find the will of God, let me quickly go on here, I'll use 10-15 minutes if I can. To find the will of God the first thing you need to do is this you must be absolutely submitted and make jesus the lord of your life (laughs) i will explain that in a minute jesus is our savior we are disciples some of us are combats. but for jesus to be the lord of your life you know what it simply means it simply means that You have no desire of your own. It means you are neutral. It means you are not insisting that this is what you want, this is who you want, this is where you want. You are just absolutely open, and no matter what it is, no matter what it wants for you, you want it. This is absolute surrender, absolute submission jesus must become the lord of your life not as i will not my will not my way not my thought not my choice not because i don't want something but god if that is not it i leave it not because i do not want to become not because i do not want to go but if it is not that's it i'm neutral when you get to that situation you're open to knowing the will of god many many times we are emotionally committed we already have an idea of what we want to do we already have an impression of where we are going we already like have made up our minds Lord if it's going to be marriage it must be this if it's going to be school it must be this if it's going to be business then it has to be this if you are like that god will never reveal his will to you but if you're neutral i say well whatever the will of god is it's okay whatever what i just want is nothing less nothing else nothing more than the will of god i am not committed to anything it doesn't have to be anybody it doesn't have to be anywhere it doesn't have to be anything it is just whatever he wills John seven seventeen says, "He that will do my will will know of my doctrine." He said, "If you are committed and I say whatever it is you are going to do it, He i'll reveal it to you." That's the first thing. But if you have an idea of where you are going already, and you've made up your mind of what you are trying to be, and you go to God, you will never hear one word because you have set up your idol in your heart. You have made your mind. Your mind is committed to something already. You know where you are going already. You are not trying to hear you already have heard from yourself. What you are looking for is a rubber stamp, and that's not going to come. When we go to God like that, we are not seeking for his will. We are not trying to find his will. And when we come like that, we shall eat usually of the fruit of our ways. Not of that With the Lord wants us to do. If you want to find the will of God, the first thing is, be neutral. Just go to God's father. I'm not committed to anything. Anywhere you want me to do. Any course you want me to do. Any school you want me to go. Any job. Any nation. Any city. Any business. I just want it. What I want is that thing that you want. What I want is that which is in your heart. What I want is whatever is in your heart for me. That's what I want. Anything apart from that. I don't want it. When you are in that position, my brother, you are in the position that Jesus Christ was. You are in the position that the people who have come to realize the will of God have been. You are in the proper shape to hear from heaven. When you are in that kind of a state, you can not hear clear. You see, you'll be so clear. Sometimes some people say, "I'm confused. I don't know what the will of God is." You know why you are confused? your mind was made up before you tried to hear from God so when God spoke from the spirit your flesh was there so your flesh is lost against your spirit and your spirit against your flesh so you don't actually know which one you are going to follow that's the reason for the confusion Psalm 71 verse 1 for in thee O Lord have I put my trust oh Lord let me not be confused God does not confuse people but when you have made up your mind and God speaks that is where the confusion comes from and that is why when you make up your mind God does not speak again he leaves you he leaves you go ahead he leaves you even as you go ahead with it you are not sure inside it is better. but you see you have convinced yourself you know you can convince yourself <laughs> that's how we call, something we call self-fulfilling prophecy when you prophesy to yourself and you try to fulfill the prophecy you have prophesied you try to carry it out Find it the will of god it is the minister's guide If you want god to guide you continually isaiah 58 11 says the lord shall guide you continually 1 verse 3 said he will guide you for his name's sake if you want him to guide you be neutral about anything don't hold anything that's serious until you know what God's will is about it don't fight about it God said this to me years ago is that if you insist on what you want I will give you what you want and you will later not be happy with what you have so I'll give it to you when the children of Israel wanted fish They wanted birds. They wanted uh, uh, protein in the wilderness. He gave them enough protein in the manner he gave them. But he gave them He gave them an under act. But he sent leanness to their soul. The very thing they wanted destroyed them. While the meat was still in their mouth, there was a guest strutter that fell upon them. God was giving them the best. Psalm 47 verse 4. He will choose our inheritance for us. The excellence of Jacob whom he loved. Don't you know that your life will be better taken care of if you put it in his hands? Can he not handle your life? Who sent you into this world? He who has kept... Look, before you knew how to make decisions, God had helped you to make the right decisions up till now. My father used to say to us, he said, now you are a wise boy. said when i said go you say where should i go before you knew how i was one who decided the kind of clothes you are going to wear the kind of hair you are going to cut, the kind of school you are going to go i decided it and i was not wrong and i decided it up to the time you went to secondary school i said who who filled the form for secondary school for you and i was not wrong so now i am wrong abby my wisdom is no longer adequate abby i don't know anything again abby I, who have been your father, I don't do anything. <laughs> you know, when he says that, we, we, we get very unhappy. Because he, he made all those decisions up till that time. Well, you can say, well, now I'm grown up. I must take my life in my hands. Let me say, in as much as that is important, look, just let him, God, let God know that, look, I am not committed to anything. I'm not committed to be anywhere. I'm not committed to be with anybody. I'm not committed to doing anything. I'm not committed to saying anything. In that same hour, the Holy Spirit will teach you what you should say. He said, do not think beforehand what you will say or you spoil it. He said, in that same minute, the Holy Spirit will give you what you say. That is how the Spirit of God can put you in the will of God, number one. Number two. In finding the will of God, confidently, that's the second point, confidently expect... And wait on God to reveal his will to you confidently by faith expect and wait on God to reveal his will to you two things you need to know here is this number one God will never leave you without guidance let that be in your heart There is no decision you want to take there is no place you want to go there is no choice you want to make that god that's the first thing will leave you without a guide that's number one number two still another point the second thing is this god will not just it's uh, god will not leave you without a guide and the second thing you need to know is that god will not allow you to be deceived or led astray if your heart desire is to do his will if your heart desire is indeed to do his will, God will not leave you without a guide. But under that, God will also not allow you to be misled or led astray. If sincerely and really your heart desire is to do his will, he will not leave you. God will not allow the enemy to get the better of you. Because some people say, eh, what of him is the devil? No, no, no. Look, if your heart desire is the real will of God, and you can be neutral, and you can believe and expect him to reveal his will to you, he will never leave you without telling you what it should be. He does not abandon his own. He does not. Five sparrows are sold for two farthings. Not even one of them will drop to the ground without a father doing. If you have not made up your mind on any issue, be sure of one thing that God will show up. And not only will God show up, God will not allow. If your heart desire genuinely and really is I want to do the will of God, God will never allow anything to lead you as Even if a voice comes that is not God's voice, God will have to raise a standard against it. Isaiah 59:19, when the enemy shall come as a flood, the spirit of God will lift a standard against it. If your heart desires to do the will of God, if you have made up your man as a minister, look, what I want to do is God's will. And the devil wants to come and supplant you. And the devil wants to come and and, and bring you into captivity. And the devil wants to come and, and steal you away from the path of righteousness. One thing I can tell you is this, he will never allow you to be deceived or taken away from the path of righteousness because he knows your heart desire is to do his will. No matter what the enemy is keep he could skip the devil will skip but god will keep raising challenges he keep, because he knows your will, he knows your heart is right your moves may be wrong but your heart is right even when you look when you are wrong and you are selling around you see that god will keep trying to stop you he'll keep trying to stop you he will keep trying to stop you we will... ask you How are you doing he said, nothing Say, I don't just feel now that's God. He's trying to stop you, He's trying to block you, He's trying to say, My son, look at me one more time. My son, check this out. My son, this is not the way. My daughter, that's not the cause. Check this out one more time. Because he knows in your heart you want to do his will. So he's protecting you. You make up your mind, you're going to do that business. You already told the man, come tomorrow for money. You wake up in the morning like this. Your body will make tear. What do you reverse call? You don't feel like going to the bar and not talking about withdrawing the money. You tell the man, he said, tomorrow, I, that's God. That's God, you know. He's trying to stop you. He's trying to withdraw you from that purpose. He's trying to take you away from that path, which he knows leads nowhere. God will never leave you dangling like this and you don't know what to do. You know if you say you don't, want to, you don't know what to do, it's because actually, see, God does not do that. Because he knows how vital is it for you to hear from him. He knows how valuable it is for him to talk to you. He knows that if he does not talk to you, the devil will talk to you. He knows that he needs to talk to you before the devil talks to you. He needs to talk to you before your friend talks to you. He needs to talk to you before your flesh talks to you. And so he wants to quickly talk to you before you even have an opportunity of hearing a different voice. So he will not leave you. Dang in there and he will not allow some, some force to come. Even if the force come and deceive you, shortly before you do it, shortly before you go out, shortly before you finish it, he will just stand and block it. And when he blocks it, like he blocked Balaam, he will let you know he's the one blocking it. But you know, like Balaam, some people are so stupid that even if, if God blocks you, just put God say, let me." you still go ahead. Number three, if you want to find the will of God, do, do not just be neutral, and do not just come by faith. Thirdly, if you want to find the will of God, listen to me. Listening—that's very important. Listening carefully, listening continually, listen as much as you can because God will speak to you in a voice in a way and a manner that you best know him to talk to you listen I like that word listen listen simply means a careful deliberate act of trying to hear a careful deliberate act on your part of trying to hear listen Proverbs 2012 the hearing ear and the seeing eye the Lord has made them both listen now let me say this to you as a minister practice listening practice listening what do you mean brother George close your ears and say close your eyes and say Father, speak and listen, for your servant heareth. Like Samuel said in First Samuel three nine, that was one thing I developed my hearing in. One thing that can help you listen is when you read the Bible a lot. Look, what God will say, He will say from what He has said. Proverbs four twenty, my son, attend to my words then he said incline then here to my saying you can never know what god is saying when you don't know what he has said the same voice with which he has said it is the voice with which he will say it so that as you start in your christian ministerial race you will be acquainted with his voice my sheep know my voice how can a sheep know his voice by first of all knowing the voice of God that is full of majesty, which is the word of God. The word of God is, thus hear the Lord. thus hear the Lord. Does hear the Lord. thus hear the Lord. thus hear the, the Lord. When you read the Bible, read the Bible, the first way God will begin to first of all speak to you is that he will begin to speak to you using the scriptures. He will begin to make scriptures match your situation. Show that you are beginning to get used to the way He speaks. You are beginning to get used to the way He speaks to you. You are beginning to get used to the way He ministers to you. You know, at times when I speak, I said, God said to me, God said to me. And some people are looking at me, How did He say it? I had to start out as a young Christian by first of all reading the Bible. I read the Bible, I read the Bible, I read the Bible. And every time I practice, I said I keep questioning. You know, the Bible said, Be still and know that I'm God. Still, small voice. I'll just keep quiet. I say, God, say something to me. Say something to me. And after a while, he could just quote a scripture. After a while, he could just give me an impression. After a while, he could just give a thought to me. After a while, and at times, when I say, God, speak to me, God God will not say anything. And I'm going along the way, and I meet a Christian brother, uh, and he shakes my hand, and through his mouth, he will just quote a scripture, and that's God speaking to me. And one way you can also listen is when you pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit, pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues, pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. You see, praying in tongues help your spirit to grow and mature. So that your spirit is now strong enough to pick information from the spirit of God. The spirit of man, Proverbs 20, 27, is the kind of the Lord. Lighting all the one parts of the belly psalm 18 verse 28 he said thou alone will allow will light my candle that will light my darkness the stronger your spirit is by exercise the easier your spirit be, it is for your spirit to be able to pick words from what the spirit is saying the spirit is always speaking but your spirit is not mature enough at times to pick those information so listen when you pray in spirit for about two hours three hours keep quiet At times, what you pray will come to you in form of an interpretation of tongues. That was how I began operating the spirit of gifts of of, of speaking in tongues and interpretation. I will just pray like that, and I will keep quiet, and and something like an interpretation will just come, and I will just interpret to myself. Nobody's there. And at times when I just pray like that, pray like that, my spirit is a my spirit is charged up. So my spirit's antenna is now dangerously alive and alert, and it picks information from the radio of God's spirit. He said, This is what God is saying, this is what God is doing, this is what God is going, going to do. And he just sends information to me. When you deliberately and specifically and definitely try to listen, you cannot hear. He speaks. The Bible says Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. 2, 11 217 220 211 217 229 36 He said, He that has an ear to hear, huh? let him hear what the spirit is saying. First, 24 1 The spirit speaketh expressly. Isaiah thirty twenty one. He said, That you hear a voice behind you saying. You will hear a voice. At times, it could be the voice of your spirit. It could be the voice of the Holy Spirit. It could be an impression. It could be a thought. It could be a word. It could be a prophecy. At times, I've heard a voice behind me and I look around. Who who said that? Who said that? But listen. First of all, try to develop your ability to shut out the noise and listen. The minister's guide. I always tell people, I say give me me the tomorrow I will know exactly what to do. When I say that it's because I know. You see, it it didn't come like that. It is by reason of use. You cannot in one day be able to produce that kind of result. By reason of use. And the best way to know whether it's God or not is whatever he says to you you put it to action. If it comes to pass, it is God. If it is not if it does not come to pass, it's not God. I was in my brother's house one time as a young Christian they are taking water away for about eight days my two brothers used to live together in one house in the body. they are taking water, there was no water for eight days and all hope of being able to get water was lost because in those days the entire family had no car nobody had anything the two families were living together and I would come from Illinois and go there and add to their yoke so after we finished praying that night we finished praying that night and went to bed as I was laying back to, down to bed he said go and tell them there will be lots of water by 8 o'clock tomorrow there will be lots of water by 8 o'clock tomorrow go and tell them now the best way to do that is to go and tell them now if you keep it to yourself you kill the word that word is given life by expression by saying it out you give it life by saying it out you increase your boldness by saying it out you test the reliability of that voice by saying it out you come to know whose voice it is so, so I stood up, my legs were trembling. A young convert of just about nine months, <laughs> and I went by the "Brother, I said, Thus said the Lord, there'll be lots of water by eight o'clock tomorrow. Hallelujah! He, I, I can't forget, he put his hand on my shoulder and said, Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord! Hallelujah! Well, I, I didn't know what to think of it, whether i was mocking me or whatever. But by 7 15 that next morning, water had started gushing from the town. and he came to me and said, Prophet, I was still sleeping. He said, Prophet. I said yes, sir. He said, "There is water already." Oh, if you know the joy that filled my heart from that day, every time I understood, I said, "Say something." Lord. What will happen tomorrow? <laughs> you know, what the Bible tells us He will show us things to come. Yes, but many, many times, you and I don't listen. We don't. We don't just. We are not. We are too noisy. We are too loud. Be still. remove those who who love around us. Let's listen and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Jesus, speak to me. You are in me. Christ is in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. His presence is with us. Let him speak to us. There are so many, I can teach a whole series on how God speaks, but just this general. Um, The voice of your spirit, the voice of the Holy Spirit, and so many other ways we God speak. Even he can speak to a song. You sit down in church and the choir comes up. Probably you're unhappy, you're so sad, you're so bad, uh, uh, and you've come to church that Sunday. Uh, uh, and, then, uh, uh, and then the choir comes up and said, you may not know how, you may not know when, but if you do it again, that's God. If you are waiting for God to knock you on the head and pull out one of your teeth, now that may never happen. <laughs> but that's thing A song, a poem, a thought, a word. It just comes to you. But listen. When you pray, listen. When you talk, listen. Prayer is not monologue, it's dialogue. After you've spoken to God, especially tongues. In those days, I did it consistently. Every morning, I'll pray for one hour in tongues. I'll pray and pray and pray. And then I'll keep quiet. And I'll say, Holy Spirit, speak. And then he will say something, I will write it down. Speak more, speak more. Until the time comes, he doesn't say anything again. Then I review what he has said. So that will make sense. Some of that will not make sense. But the one that makes sense, I pick it. The one that don't make sense, I abandon it. But you see, I had to do that up to the time that it, more of what he was saying was making sense. And uh, what I was hearing was such that was no longer disjointed. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child. I understood like a child. When your spirit is not developed and you neglect developing your spirit, you're not likely to hear with accuracy. And you're not going to begin to hear accurately. Just like as, as a child growing up, you didn't begin to hear clearly until you grew up to a particular state. You wasn't that so? It comes with growth. It comes with development. The minister's guide. The will of God revealed. So, not only should you be neutral and committed, not only should you expect him to speak to you, then... Listen. Number four. The first thing you will do is this. If you want to find the will of God, make sure that whatever is revealed to you, you test it. Demonic and satanic spirits will always try to influence us and to deceive us by speaking to us at the same time that the spirit of God is speaking to us. So test every spirit. Test it. Proverbs twelve, 12 twenty six. The way of the righteous is more excellent than that of his neighbor but the way of the wicked seduceth him. First John 4.1. Test every spirit whether they are of God. I'm going to give you four things you're going to use to test the spirit of God. I mean to test anything you hear. Test it. Ephesians 5.10 He says proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. 1 5 5.21 He says prove all things and hold fast to the one that is true. When you want to taste food you test it by tasting it. Just like the mouth tastes and tests, taste. The ear tastes and tests, taste. And you must apply spiritual tests to everything that you think is God's will for you. Because the devil try to influence you and to deceive you. Some people, because they have been deceived before by something they said the devil said. We they did not test. I remember the woman in this town some years ago. She almost ran mad. She went about telling everybody that God told her. Listen to what she said, God told her. I have taken you from your husband and given you to another man. You no, know, but time is well spent already, but I'll just close. Number five. If you want to find the will of God, another thing that can help you find the will of God is this. Whatever they say is God's will, when it is shared with you or revealed to you by a dream, by a vision, by a word, by a tongue and interpretation, does it quite settle inside your heart peacefully? Colossians 3.15 The peace of God is the umpire. Philippians four six. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Now let me say this to you. Hear what I'm going to say next. God said this to me years ago, and I have not forgotten. Now let me say this to you. The devil can counterfeit everything, but he cannot counterfeit. The peace of God, you that in me you may have peace, in the world you have tribulation. John 14, 27, My peace I give unto you, not as the war give, give bound to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be dismayed. That deep seated, rooted peace that passeth all understanding. That peace. I'm not talking about that peace that some sisters say they have. Because some sisters, when you ask them, say, How do you know it's the brother? They say, I have peace. Are you sure? the peace they have at times is the peace that at last somebody has showed up that's the peace you have at last i don't have to look for anybody anymore that's the peace you have the peace we are talking about is not one that is it is not one that comes and goes it's not one that has a form it is deep seated and rooted peace of god that passes all understanding let the peace of god let the presence of the peace of God or the absence of the peace of God be the final checkmate for whether something is the peace of, is is, is what God wants you to do, is the will of God for you or not you know at times you accept to do something but the peace is not there you see, if you want to do the will of God when the peace is there you know, when the peace is not there you know if you are the kind of person that wants to do the will of God, when the deep peace has come to settle on you. You know it. The work of righteousness shall be peace. That is the work of righteousness. When something is right, peace. Isaiah 32, 17. The work of righteousness shall be peace. The effect of righteousness shall be quietness and assurance. You see those two things? Not just peace, but quietness and assurance. You are just sure. If they ask you, how are you sure? You just say, well, I'm sure. And you're not just, it's not braggado, it's not braggadocio. You are just sure. How sure? Well, I'm just sure. Not that you're confessing. Ah, ah, it's so, Hold oh Lord. In the name of, I know it's. Eh, eh, eh. The work of righteousness shall be peace. The effects of righteousness or righteous peace, like the literal Hebrew says, the effect of righteous peace shall be quietness and assurance forever you just know when they say how do you know you say well i just know (laughs) how do you know that you know i I just know that i know that i know that i know i know it here i first of all know it here then i know it here I, i know it in my heart I, I will make it. I know it in my heart. I will survive it. I know it in my heart. I will arrive. First Corinthians seven fifteen. God has called us unto peace. Isaiah twenty six twelve. God has ordained peace for us. Second Thessalonians chapter three verse sixteen. It says, "The God of peace give you peace always." By all means. Ooh. He just no. deep deep down. You see, at times they pray for you and you go to bed, but at times they pray for you and you can't sleep. You know the difference. There is a prayer you have prayed for and you know it's done. You you are just sure it's done. But there's a prayer you they pray for you. You say it's done, but you are still shaking. The peace of God that pastors don't understand me. The peace of God that you cannot understand, the peace of God that To compare the situation with how you are feeling is not something that can be understood. The minister's guide. I just knew years ago that I was going to succeed. I I knew it. I I just knew in my heart that I was in the will of God. People try to convince me. I say, hey, thank you. But I know I was in the will of God. I respect people's opinion. I appreciate them. I love them. I honor them. But you see something, i know what i know i know that i know that i know that i know and i always tell people this i know that i know because i have tested these things over the years and it is working for me. many of the methods i use as a mature minister now we are methods that are used as a young minister i was able to deal with the weaknesses of this method as a young minister so as i was growing i was perfecting the method so when I say it is so, I know it so. When I say God said, I know God said. When I say God had done it, I know he's done it. And so when you look at me, you not know, see a trace of fear. Why? Not because fear is not potentially present, but over the years I have learned to be ruled by the peace of God when I know what the will of God is. One thing I want you to know is this, my brother and sister. When something is the will of God, nobody can frustrate it nobody but when something is not the will of god the slightest thing will overturn it will overturn it but even when something is the will of god and nothing will frustrate it god wants to work with you to make sure that it stands and is established the will of the lord shall be done you just have the peace of god Peter was sleeping in Acts 12. The next day was the day of execution. But he was sleeping. Why? The peace of God that pastors all not understand. I preached a message years ago. The secret to peace of mind. Many of you young ministers, you don't have peace of mind. You are afraid. Will I make it? If God has not called you, please look for something else to do. Okay? The effect of righteousness The work of righteousness shall be peace The effect of righteousness Shall be quietness and assurance My people shall live In a peaceable habitation First Corinthians thirteen eleven, I think it says Live in peace Live in peace Philippians 4 9, The things of have land received hard and seen in me Do and the God of peace 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 what the forces that come against you don't matter what matter is the forces that are on your side if god be for us what does it matter who may be against us though the earth be removed though the mountains be carried away into the midst of the sea there is a river there is a way hallelujah there is a way out there is a way out no matter how tough or rough it is no matter how challenging and impossible and difficult it is you will touch base with god you will you will happen are you listening to me when you know something is the will of god there is a peace years ago when we just started this ministry they will have they will have destroyed this ministry then well it was still an infant ministry but i was so i, I was so i was so sure of him who has called me let me give you one more and i close on this note and this way, I'm going to close it. This this point, when you know something is the will of God, and you want to know whether something is the will of God or not, let me share this with you. Ask counsel from mature, spiritual believers. Ask counsel. Ask counsel from the hand of other mature, spiritual believers or quote ministers in the multitude of counselors there is safety now let me say this to you do not use counsel as your original conviction never counsel is either to compete with or to reinforce what you believe God has spoken to you Do not base what you are going to do on something somebody said, so that when they say, Why did you do it? is it was so and so? No, 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 no. Counsel becomes necessary to someone who already sought God's face and heard from Him. If you have never heard at all from God as to what the will of God is, there's no need for counsel because you see, one of the mistakes we make is this. Some people, when it comes to marrying, when it comes to ministry, when it comes to business, when it comes to jobs, what they do is that they want to make their action to be based on counsel. No. Counsel is either to negate or to reinforce. In the mouth of two, you see, you already have one mouth with you, what you heard from God. The minister must, first of all, be able to go to God himself. If you cannot go to God, you have no business in the ministry. If you cannot hear from heaven, how can you do what God wants you to do? Hearing from heaven is something that cannot be uh, sacrificed. You just, as a minister, must hear from heaven. If you are not hearing from heaven, you are not worth anything. In fact, you better look for another employment Private John Kuponigi, in his GSM shop. Or go and learn how to decorate from sop or you apply to, to to one of these banks so they can give you a job or Gege will give you a job in a shop in yoruba, yoruba road what i'm saying is this because some people when they have a decision to make what they do is that they take the making of that decision to somebody and they want that person now to counsel them to make that decision based on their counsel it's wrong it's inappropriate whatever somebody else say must be the second voice you must have a voice with which you can compare what that person is saying and when you are going to look for counsel, let me give you three things number one when you are seeking for counsel, give all the information you have about what you want counsel about to that person give honest information do not give them the kind of information that will make them give you a kind of counsel. That is not right at times when we go to people and seek for cancer from them we are not totally honest we only give them enough information that make them make a decision or counsel us in a way in a form and to a degree that does not adequately and correctly fit our situation the more the information you give that person the better his cancer will be because some people will not give you complete information. When they come to you, probably they have pregnant a sister. They said the call said, There's a sister I want to marry now. If I want to marry her, what would you advise me to do? You see, you have not given enough information. There are other things you have, you have done, and until you give the person that information, the advice we will give you will not fit you. It's like you go to a doctor and you have a sickness and you don't give him the proper things wrong with you it's likely to give you a wrong prognosis you go to a lawyer you don't actually tell him exactly whether you have stolen the thing or not you say you just touched it but the thing disappeared after you touched it and you don't know where it is now <laughs> you have to tell him that you touched it and put it in your pocket so if he's going to build a case he knows how to build the case is that not uh, telling? You? you need to be sincere with your lawyer you need to be open with your lawyer you need to be open with your doctor where you are before the i remember a sister in this church i sent him to one of our doctors doctors young doctors in the in the hospital i know the sister is one of those that make young guy in the church so when he got to the doctor's place i think she had her in there so and the doctor says now remove your dress and down the, ah. she said she was looking at the doctor and said ah this brother what, what are you up to he said, "The, the, the brother told ah you are not real Please get out. There are other people waiting.' Ah, he just removed that dress. Now you see, <laughs> she wanted a proper prognosis, but she did not want to, to reveal everything. Why you go to a doctor? You go naked. I have gone naked at times, standing like this before doctors. <laughs> she for 10 I fought there is nothing to that. <laughs> I mean, if if, if you need help, you need." to be naked aren't you you need to be plain come through young minister some of you don't tell the truth you see what really happened is that you see god is taking control excuse me all right so the first thing is give him enough information be naked before him don't bother keeping back something is not good secondly go to someone whom you know will not spare you somebody who is not afraid of you somebody who will tell you the truth if we call a spirit spirit and not an agricultural implement not somebody that is afraid of you and we call you Mm-mm. but somebody that will tell you what you are doing that you are a fake christian you are a hypocrite go to somebody who- Who tell you somebody who's not afraid of you? And then the person also must be somebody who is spiritually mature more than you. And then thirdly, go to somebody in whose life you can see the proof of God's work. Not somebody who has not been able to guide himself with cancer. Physician, heal yourself. Somebody who cannot work in freedom himself cannot be expected to help anybody. That's very important when you go for counsel. Go for counsel be bare before them tell them everything and whatever they tell you to do you see let me say this to you if you don't want to hear the truth don't go to counsel but if you want to hear the truth go to people who will not spare you people who will tell you what probably you don't even want to hear if something is bothering you there was a time Abraham had a problem Hagar had a son and the, I mean, his proper wife. Also had a son, and his wife said, "Look, you have to send away this woman and her child, because this woman's child will not have an inheritance in my house." The Bible said Abraham was very unhappy because Abraham had nobody that he could go to. He went to God, and God gave him counsel. God said, that "What the woman is saying is right. Listen to her." In the days of Abraham, there was nobody that Abraham would have gone to. Every other person was under him. He was rich and influential. If you had called one of the servants and said Uh, That's what happened. You know some of us, we go to people who don't know as much as we do. We go to people who don't know about Those people that will tell us to break those courtships, we don't go to them. Those people that will tell us and rebuke us to our face what we are doing is not proper you don't have to go to them for as long as you are like that you don't want the will of god for your life because if you want the will of god you go to those who will not spare you because some of us brothers are involved in what i call marital browsing you always browse you come to a sister you browse at www.to.co.org like you, you see you have the quality of the kind of sister that God I'm believing God for you browser you browser you browser then you leave www.j.co.nigeria <laughs> uh, you know you browse you browse you browse. when a brother begins to ask you what do you like most tell him why well oh yeah, oh yeah anya guy because they involve the in marital browsing they say they are my friends they seem to have so many friends are you that good a person to have so many friends but what they are doing is browsing they want to see whether it's a soft landing they go to the How's the Lord? I believe that in partition night Friday. Oh, serious Praise God. That's browsing. What's your preaching? God bless you. stamina on your feet. <laughs> oh dear. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Shall we bless the Lord one minute? We spent quite a lot of time today, but that's good. I didn't even know I was gonna spend that lot of time anyway. I just want to praise you, Lord. Lead we give you the honor and glory come into your hand every person who has listened to this word of God let his word never stand against anyone but let us be doers and not hearers only let your glory and your praise be in everything we do as young men and women thank you for the great ministries you have called us into Father thank you for where we are going and what we are going to do precious master Help us that will not fail you. Help us that will not disappoint you. Help us that will get to the place where we started out for. Lord, I pray for those tonight who may be discouraged due to one thing or the other. Those who may be feeling unhappy with their performance or feeling unhappy with one thing or the other. Pray for them tonight. You know exactly where they are. You know what aches them. You know what ailes them. Father, I pray for them, oh God that your kingdom come and your will will be done and I pray that you will assist them in that way they seek your face for that young man is seeking your face for what to do next And tonight you have cleared the cloud you have spoken directly to his heart give him the boldness and the assurance to obey help him to make that decision to take that action and to take that step Lord, thank you for that sister. She's been between two opinions as to what to do next with the instruction you have given her. She's at the crossroad as to what action to take, but thank you for the way you've directed her tonight. Holy Spirit, I give you praise because I know every and all things you have done will work out according to the glory of your name. Thank you for direction. and hear the Lord saying to me many of you have not sought my direction before you are taking action direction seeking direction is important before you take action you have taken so much action you have not sought direction and so in the taking of action you have taken so much action and you are now at a crossroad and you are saying I don't know what next to do how could you have known what next to do where you never saw direction as to what to do. When you never saw, seek direction as to what to do, and you take action, you get to a place where you get to a crossroad and you don't know what next to do. But God said the Lord tonight. If you come back to me, I shall reveal to you what is in my heart, I shall guide you with discretion. I shall lead you by the paths of great waters. I shall lead you by a path thou knowest not. I shall guide you by a way that thou cannot imagine. And I will cause you, said the Lord, to see clearly and hear clearly. And there shall be no confusion or mixed cloud or dark images about what I want you to do and your wandering shall be over and your divided mind shall be sorted out because I am the Lord of hosts who called you from the womb who separated you in the dispersion of a time to my purpose and thou shall be free from those things that hold you bound and thou shall be the person that I ordained thee you to be thank you father I command that young man be free right now be free right now. In that thought, that thought keeps coming back. It's a tormenting thought. I command you be free from that thought. That thought gives you the impression. You cannot arise above it. You cannot win. You cannot conquer it. But I command you to be free right now. Be loose from the grip of that vicious hold. Be loose from the grip of that vicious hold. Liberty is your portion because your day of progress has come. Thank you, Holy Father. Father, we honor you. The young men and young women who are under the sound of my voice, let your will be the highest. Let them seek it with the whole of their heart. Let them long and hunger for it. Let it guide them. Let it sustain them. Let it keep them from the parts of the destroyer. Holy Father, we see it in Christ's ministry that he fed on your will. He came from heaven to do your will. He sought your will. People who did your will, he recognized and related to them. Father, help us to make understanding, seeking, doing, and submitting to your will the utmost priority in our lives. We honor you, Holy Spirit let the dark clouds lift those dark clouds of confusion those dark clouds of double mindedness those dark clouds of not knowing exactly what we should do with our lives of not knowing exactly where we should go of not knowing exactly how we should carry ourselves let it lift in the name of Jesus dark clouds lift I say lift lift over that life lift over that ministry lift over that man Lift up that woman. Lift in the name of Jesus. You're saying, "I don't even know what to do with my life." God says, "I sent you to this world for a purpose, and I have a plan for your life. So I know what you should do. If you don't know what you should do, come to me, said God, and I will reveal to you what you ought to do." Thank you, Father. Honor and glorify you in Amen. Jesus' name. Amen. Every head, but every eyes closed. If you are born again and you are free with the finished...